Okay, everyone, welcome to the very latest Bolt from the Blue uh, podcast. Um, it's a, a fantastic uh, uh, opportunity to uh, speak to you again. And um, I've got some young boys to help me do the <laughs> podcast. Uh, uh, first of all, we've got uh, King of the Kipax writer and City Matters committee member, Colin Savage, a.k.a. Presswitch Blue. Colin, how are you doing? What have you been up to? It's been a lot. It's been a while. I, I've been away on holiday for a week, took advantage of the um, nice weather and went off to North Wales. Which had a splendid time. I'm, I'm thinking about going back there later in the year. Fantastic. <laughs> you find a sheep that you like. <laughs> Chiming in there is uh, also uh, Ray from City Fan uh, TV on uh, YouTube. How are you doing, Ray? What have you been up to? Oh, I'm doing very well, Mike. I'm uh, I'm shattered. I've been driving around working. I've been up to Scotland on Sunday. I was uh, entertaining at Musselburgh Racecourse, so that was um, uh, about an 18, no, about 19 or 20 hour day that driving up there, working, then coming back, and uh, not been watching much football, unfortunately. Uh, not been able to go to anything until last week. I went to my first live game in 18 months to watch Man City's. Women's team get knocked out of the Champions League. I'm sure we'll touch on that later. Yeah, absolutely. And as if these two weren't enough for you, we've also got Bernard Deneen, who you will know from Twitter. He has got his own account. He's got another account where he reviews movies and uh, things like this. And uh, Bernard, how are you? Well, what have you known to? Well, I'm just so privileged to be in this triumvirate today. Uh, I think that's what we call it, isn't it? A triumvirate of power, that we used to call them in Rome. So it's, it's a great privilege to be with you today. And I've been with you guys before, but it seems a long time ago. It must have been a couple of years, I think, now. Since, we all uh, had hair back then, Bernard. Yeah, we all well, had hair. yeah, speak for yourself, mate. I mean, <laughs> I don't go that, that far back, but uh, I'm off for a couple of weeks. So I'm waiting for the weather, like uh, obviously Colin there. I'm now waiting for the weather to sort of pick up for a couple of days so I can get out and about but uh, obviously there's a lot of football coming up so I'm not going to have much opportunity anyway unfortunately but uh, hey never mind eh? Well guys uh, on a night when the glorious uh, reborn Manchester United got spanked by young boys who are a uh, uh, a small Swiss team I believe. Where did they play? What's their stadium called? Uh, I don't know actually. Come on, Google it, Mike. Google it. The Theatre of Dreams? <laughs> no, the young boys play Was it the Wankfest Stadium? Is that right? <laughs> Colin, Colin knows the, the name. Wankdorf. Wank, Wankdorf. <laughs> it is. I, I, and for those who've never heard of them, um, they're a team from Stratford, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, as for uh, the Bolt from the Blue podcast, um, the last time that we spoke to you, well, we we've actually we actually missed out on a game, which was the five nil uh, win against uh, Arsenal. We didn't really talk about that, but um, it's only Arsenal, guys. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it's lads, it's Arsenal. Uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 Arsenal. It was a fine five uh, nil win, and uh, it gave us the feeling that maybe we had our striker after all. It was a brace from uh, Ferran Torres. But uh, we're not really uh, here to talk about that one too much. We're, we're going to get into this game against Leicester. Now, Sam Lee of The Athletic said before the game that Leicester City are a team who are perfectly calibrated to exploit Man City's weaknesses. 
And uh, I don't know what you think about that, uh, Colin. Um, would would that be a fair uh, fair enough description? Uh, yeah, potentially, yes. Because what what we know how Leicester plays very much on the break. You know, they'll, they'll soak up pressure. They'll get the ball. They'll release Fardy. They'll release Harvey Barnes. Um, and we we know how deadly they can be because. Last season, you know, they took advantage of us early season at the Etihad, and even though three were penalties, I mean, they made a bit of a, you know, we tend to play high up the pitch. Um, you know, they are a team that's that's well suited to to play against us, but they've got to get the ball first, which um, they're supposed to do on um, Saturday. What about you, Ray? Did you have a slight fluctuation of blood pressure at the prospect of City uh, facing Leicester uh, and their famous counter-attack? Yeah, I think you've got to because Pep doesn't really want to change. He doesn't want to make a change for the opposition. You might make odd little bit here and there, but against Leicester, it's it tends to be just the same. We play the same way. They've already beaten us once this season in the Community Shield. Um, they beat us once last season. You know, they've got it's not a rubbish record against City. You know, they beat us a few years ago four um, one uh, under Pep as well. So they've got a decent record against City. So you've got to be concerned. They've got the, the pace of Vardy, they've got Ihenacho and uh, Patson Dacker on the bench, who are, are two other very fast players. Um, you know, uh, you can put them in behind uh, our defenders. They, they're not, not going to be caught, none of them. So, um, yeah, you've got to be a little bit worried about Leicester, but you know, you've got to back your own team. Uh, Bernard, uh, things looked uh, pretty good uh, in the initial stages because I, 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 I found out something rather interesting from the Guardian report, which said that after five minutes, Leicester had conceded more corners than they had completed passes. <laughs> uh, so uh, what, did you, what did you think about, uh, Bernard, the way that we uh, started the game? Yeah, I think the thing is with Leicester, you know, you, you know, you can do that with them, but you know, you're always going to be sort of at the back of your mind. You, you know, it doesn't matter. If we have 15, 20, 30 minutes uh, domination and corners. If we're not putting that ball in the net, which we tend not to do, we, I think we had 25 chances. I think against Leicester overall, uh, until that ball goes in the net, we're all, you know, we're always susceptible to to what they can do. They, I mean, to beat City, they've got the blueprint, haven't they? I think uh, Chelsea seem to have it at the moment. United have it at our place. I mean. It's, as you say, they just play to their their strengths, and uh, all right, we can put the ball in the net in that five minutes of corner after corner. Fair enough, but but uh, we didn't, did we? So uh, that's the problem against someone like Leicester. We're always prone to, uh, you know, have the twenty five shots. Unfortunately, we managed to get one of them in the goal, which uh, was enough on the day. Colin Savage, what were your impressions of the the first half? Well, we were absolutely dominant, weren't we? Um... Certainly, the first few minutes, they Leicester couldn't barely escape from in front of their own area. Um, but um, uh, you know, we looked the most likely to score. But um, in the first few minutes, I mean, we should have scored. Um, I, I can't remember who um, who it was, but oh, it was a uh, Gabriel Jesus header, wasn't it? Yeah, the header. Yeah, Pardo floated cross, and um, he Casper uh, Michael managed to get to it. And you could argue that maybe Gabby J should have perhaps put it wide of him, but it was a good save. And then a minute later, down the other end, um, Edison had to be very brave to deny Harvey Barnes, who was on the end of a Jamie Vardy cross. So it was an absolutely cracking um, opening few minutes. And, and, and then um, Ilkay Gundogan had a shot, and we were, we were absolutely relentless. That, that first quarter, certainly, 
we were absolutely relentless um, in pressing Leicester. We were winning the ball high up. Um, they, they, apart from that early chance, they weren't getting behind us at all. Um, and, and they were throwing bodies on the line. And just before half time, there was another incident where we had a few shots uh, and they were throwing bodies at it. Um, and it somehow escaped. Uh, and you did wonder, despite our dominance, as Bernard said, were we going to were we going to get the ball in the net? But from a first half point of view, from a footballing point of view, um, Leicester really hadn't seen very much of the ball, uh, and we'd seen everything, but we just hadn't got the ball in the back of the net somehow. Uh, and, and we saw that, didn't we, on that famous game in the 2019, 20, uh, 2019 season, uh, when, when Leicester did everything. We didn't help ourselves in that famous game, but again, Leicester did everything to deny us. Uh, we know they're very good at that, throwing bodies around. They'll defend for their lives and, and, and they'll just get that break. But we just didn't give them that chance uh, in the first half, certainly. Uh, Ray, Leicester are very, very well drilled defensively. Lots of uh, great uh, blocks. And there, there were good uh, defensive performances uh, for both teams. That save by Ederson and then the later one, obviously, um, shows that he is uh, re- really, really in good form. Uh, uh, opinions are divided on Ederson, whether uh, uh, it's a strength or a weakness about how often he uh, comes off his line. But he, he do, he's very good at narrowing the angles, isn't he? Um, I, I think he's got better, as you'd expect, with age. A few years ago... You know, every it seemed every shot that um, was taken against him was going in because he wasn't very good at narrowing the angles. He was he was very good at saying, "Hey, look, I'm going to leave a big massive gap over there. Please have a shot." Uh, I think he's he's got better at that, but you know, he's now what 27, 28 years old, so uh, he's matured, uh, he's learned, uh, he's got the experience, um, and and he's he's improved quite quite markedly there. I, I think. You know, it's up and down with him. You know, he'll have some good games, then he'll throw a rick in. But coming off your line, I think the way City play, he's always on his toes. He's always on his toes to get ready to come off his line because that's the way City play with that high back line. He's got to be ready and get uh, to get out there very quickly. And unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't work. There'll be probably on average at least once or twice a season where he'll absolutely cock it up, but. I think you've just got to take that on the chin because, you know, what he gives us, and we said it right from the start, what he gives us with his calmness and with his passing ability from the back, uh, you know, it makes up for some of his uh, mistakes and uh, weaknesses uh, in his actual goalkeeping. And is that, is that if I remember rightly, has he he's signed a new five-year contract or something six, like that? Six years. Is he on six years now? I think it's until 2027. 2026. Yeah. He's here for a long time, let's put it that way. I know, I know. It's, it's, it's one of the first times, you know, in my life um, when I'm completely confident in the goalkeeper. I mean, even with Joe Hart, as good as he was, um, he, could have his, uh, he could have his off days. Uh, but he's very, very, very solid there. Yeah, um, yeah. I was uh, going to say, he did sign a new five-year deal. So yeah. he'll be here till 2026, 20, I think. Right, Okay. And uh, Bernard, there was a sharp chance for uh, Jack Grealish from a free kick. He received a, a free kick and he just put it over the bar. I, I'm going to ask all three. We're going to start with uh, Bernard. But how do you feel? You've got a good look at Jack Grealish now, um, uh, uh, how he operates for City. How do you reckon that he's um, he's fitting in? 
Yeah, I must admit, I was, I've never been a big fan of Jack Grealish in the same way. I never, was never a big fan of Harry Kane, so I wasn't overly excited at the thought of it. But having seen him up in the flesh, I've been quite impressed, actually. He perhaps wasn't as effective uh, against Leicester as he has been in the last couple of games before that. But, uh, yeah, I'm quite happy with him. He's never gonna, he's never gonna score lots of goals. I know he was probably Villa's top scorer, was he, for a season or two, but that doesn't say much, uh, obviously, based on how many goals they were scoring. So I don't expect him to be blasting goal after goal after goal, but I've been really, really happy with, uh, how he's played so far. I think, I think he's doing a pretty good job so far. What would you say, Colin? Uh, I, I was listening to a, a rival podcast and some of the chaps were saying that uh, in order to justify that 100 million salary, he needs to be popping in a few goals. It's not enough just to be nice and tidy um, and, uh, you know, efficient the way he is. What do you think? How do you think that? Well, what's your impression of Jack Grealish? Um, I, you, you'd want him to pop in a few goals, of course, but you wouldn't expect him to get 20 a season. And I don't think that would justify or not justify his fee, whether he did or didn't get that. I mean, what he gives us is a lot of creativity. He, he, I, I, I said before he came, he's a perfect pet player, tremendous technique. He can bring the ball down. Uh, he can take players on. He's confident with the ball at his feet. Uh, you know, and, and when you look at, say, look at someone like Raheem Sterling, who, you know, the ball gets his feet and he's falling over his own feet or he's falling over the ball he's not controlling it that's not something you get from Jack Grealish not to compare him to Sterling directly they're very different players but um, you know he gets the ball in those tight situations and he opens something up and don't forget you know he's, it's early it, it's early on in his City career uh, and what we've seen in the past is that players take a season to settle in um, plenty of you know, plenty of players I think in Bernardo Silva so you know took a season to settle in, uh, and actually, the, the two are very. Him and Bernardo are quite similar players, I think. In many ways, again, they're very good with the ball at their feet. They're very good in tight spaces. They're very good at taking players on. They're very good at kind of making something happen when when they're both on form. So, uh, and they ripped up that left hand side on Saturday. They absolutely tormented the Leicester right. Yeah, that's right, uh, Ray. One of the features of the game was how. Uh, Grealish combined with Bernardo Silva and Jao Cancelo uh, on that left. Uh, what, what's your impression so far? Um, he's getting better. I mean, I was a bit concerned in the first few, few games I'd seen him because, like Mares was at Leicester, Grealish was a big fish. He was the man at, uh, at Aston Villa, and you know he would get the ball. A lot of the the play would go through Jack Grealish, and he could be a little bit greedy and get away with it. We've seen with Mares, you know, lots, lots of City fans ask, where is the Mares that we saw at Leicester? And I think Mares has had to change his game to fit into City because we're a team that holds onto the ball. We keep possession. We look for the opportunity. Um, and uh, Leicester, Mares could afford to lose the ball a few times. You know, I used to say, if Mares, Mares goes on 10 dribbles and is successful in four and bangs a wonder goal, everybody raves about him. What all you see on the highlights on match of the day are those three or four good dribbles and the fantastic goal. Um, but he can get away with with doing that. There At City, you can't give the ball away six times, you know, um, in, in a game. It, it's ridiculous. And I think Grealish, he, I think at the moment he's, he's just settling down. I feel he wants to do something. And that's that's good. It's good. But I, I thought in the first few games he was slowing the game down. He'd get the ball and then he's kind of like taunt the defender. 
to come in and dive in and then try and skip past him. Um, and I just thought he slows the game. He was slowing the game down just a little bit. Um, I think we'll only find out, as Colin said, next season um, what he's really like. We'll see how he does for the rest of the season. And next season, I, I'd like to see him, st- you know, step up like um, many other players have done in the past uh, under Pep. Um, so he he joined right at the end of the, um, you know, uh, just before the season started. So he's not had a lot of pre-season. He's not played much with the lads. Um, that's going to take time to to settle down. Um, but I think I said before he came, I think he's kind of player that can make a difference. Um, we just need to see it on a regular basis. He's he's you know he's our jack in the box. As in getting that box, whether he's drawing fouls or whatever, or creating um, goals for himself or somebody else, we just need. I think we need a little bit more end product, but that will that will come with time. Mm-hmm. Moving into the second half, Bernard, uh, there was a great chance for Leicester with uh, Harvey Barnes, who headed uh, not exactly against the uh, crossbar, but sort of like um, hit the top of it and uh, and. and uh, skied away after a, a mistake from uh, Laporte. Uh, and I thought that that sort of blotted Laporte's uh, copybook because overall I thought he was um, he was very good, apart from that particular uh, moment. What did you think? Yeah, I think I think, with, uh, I think we've got to give credit to Leicester. I mean, I think uh, their strikers, their midfielders are, are going to, you know, put even the best players under pressure out there, let's be honest about it. So you, you, you're you not going to be perfect in the same way Edison's not put by perfect. Laporte, obviously, he's going to make the odd error. He's going to make the odd rick. And uh, hopefully, usually for City, it goes against us, doesn't it? Usually that would have dipped under the bar perhaps and gone in. But I think uh, when he got his head to it, I wasn't worried. It looked as though it was too high anyway. So I wasn't panicking over it. But uh, I think we can forgive uh, Laporte, things like that. Because Leicester, you know, we're talking Leicester City here. We're talking definitely a top six, if not top five, top four this season. So... You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get uh, these teams creating things. So I certainly wouldn't have a downer on iMedic about that one. That's for sure. Uh, Colin, are you a bit surprised that uh, Laporte is keeping John Stones out of the team? Um, I, I'm, I'm more surprised that Pep is picking settled teams. And it's three on the run. We've had the same starting eleven. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he does yeah. do that. Laporte's a great player, isn't he? Stones is a great player. We've got. You know, complaining, uh, we, com- we complained that we didn't replace Vincent Cumney, and we've got three outstanding centre-backs now, uh, and we've got Nathan Ake as well, and I don't think Ake's a bad player, but we've got three really outstanding centre-backs in Laporte, Stones, and, of course, Diaz, who's the, you know, the one who's not going to get dropped probably. But, you know, if Diaz is injured, Laporte and Stones will do a job. Um, you know, it's a great situation to be in. Uh, I don't know um, whether Stones is just carrying a little bit of an injury. I'm not sure whether whether there's some other issue. I don't know, but uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm we've got three very very good. Gias uh, is world class. Laporte and Stones maybe you wouldn't say they were world class, but they're very they're top class players. And um, one of them's going to lose out. Uh, and, and while we're doing well, um, you know, we've only conceded one goal so far. Um, one of the things I've criticised Pep for is not playing a subtle um, back, back pairing, uh, and he's doing that, and, and, it, and it's showing uh, results basically. Ray, talk to us a little bit about uh, Jamie Vardy's uh, goal, or should I say, non-goal, the offside. Oh. It was very, 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 it was very exciting. Uh, it, Look, well, it's, you expect him to get in like that, don't you? But it was just fractionally 
I don't know whether his knee was offside. What did you think of it? it? His, they said it was his knee. Yeah, look, it's 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 a typical Jamie Vardy goal. The guy's thirty four years old, you know, and he gets in between the defenders, gets behind them, beyond them, and then it's to, manages to get around Edison and stick it away. And you've got to still say about Jamie Vardy, it was a well taken goal. It really was top class goal. Um, to, to as I said, to to get a pass the, uh, around the defenders to avoid uh, evade them and then get around the keeper. He's just unfortunate for, for Leicester and lucky for us that he was fractionally offside. Uh, you know, you, people say when you're only fractionally offside, you didn't need to be. But, you know, he's got to time his run perfectly um, to, to get past and stay past the defenders. And um, it was just unlucky for them. And, uh, you know, you've got to take uh, your good fortune because, you know, if he'd been onside, he'd have probably still scored. So it, it was that marg- that marginal of a, desi- uh, of a decision. So, yeah, to, you know, take our good fortune and, um, you know, um, the game remained nil and we were still in it. Well, finally, after all the chances that we created, uh, we finally did take one, uh, Bernard, and, and it falls to you to describe it, Bernardo Silva. Tell us what happened. Well, I mean, he's a legend. Is it Cancelo put the shot put the shot in? I mean, yeah. if you think about it, we talk about the shots. We had 25 shots. We're saying about uh, obviously only one goal. I did say that earlier on. But uh, they said there was eight on target. But there must have been at least another, another 10, 12 that were actually blocked. So there was a lot more on target, if you like. And obviously, I think Cancelo's probably on target when he hit it. And he obviously fell fell to our legend. I didn't. I honestly didn't think he'd squeeze it in from that angle. I thought he'd uh, clip it across and it'd just go wide of the post or something like that. But uh, you know me and Bernardo, he's my namesake, so I've always stuck up for him, even though he's been struggling just a little bit. But uh, that was lovely, lovely to watch. Almost as almost as nice as that one he scored at Old Trafford two or three seasons ago. I, I just loved the way he dinked it in. And uh, I don't know, did it go through Schmeichel? Did it? I have no idea. As long as it ripples that back of the net, I was I was quite happy with that. But uh, there you go. I think when um, Cancelo's shot came in. Uh, Soyuncu went to block it and, and uh, Schmeichel went to save it and they sort of got in each other's way and, and Schmeichel was actually on the floor wasn't he when Bernardo dinked yeah. it in so um, you know he couldn't do much to stop it I don't think mm-hmm. no, he took it I mean, he took it soon I think he just I, I've always wanted City players to hit the target and to be honest with you even though it's that we only scored one goal I think most of those shots from our midfielders, not strikers, our midfielders or wingers, uh, hit the target. And that's all I ever asked from City to do. And uh, obviously, Cancel was on target. They got in the way. Leicester players got in their own way. And uh, Bernardo was definitely on target when he, when he picked up the rebound. Mm. And a fun fact for any nerds out there, when Bernardo Silva was finally substituted, did you know that uh, they played... There is a light that never goes out by the Smiths as he went down the uh, as he went down the tunnel. Um, so uh, maybe that city's effort to just to try to um, try to put these ideas of leaving. Well, it was, it was Leicester playing it, weren't they? Because we were playing away from home, so I don't think City <laughs> would have had much about that. But, uh, but no, you're right, Mike. Look, he's a cracking player. Uh, you know, he's a player that I don't think any single City fan. Uh, would say a bad word about him or would want to see the back of him. We want him to stay. Yes, he might not be totally happy about staying. Uh, it's just a situation. But you've got to give him credit because he's a prof- uh, professional player and he's staying professional. He's putting in a shift and he's putting some good performances, actually. He's worked really hard 
and uh, full credit to him. And you know, if he does leave at the end of the season, you know, I, I think for most City fans, we'll be disappointed. But we'll, he'll go with our blessing if you're not happy on a personal level. Um, yeah. You know, and, and and the club will let, will let you go, and I think that that's that's fair enough. But he's a he's a cracking player, and, and you know, I hope whatever his uh, problems are, maybe <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. You might need to cut this out. Maybe he needs to do a Ruben Diaz. <laughs> what is that? What does that mean exactly? Uh, well, <laughs> you mean, are, you, are you talking about getting rid of his girlfriend? I, I, I Mike, you said that, not me. I didn't say that. <laughs> Yeah. You said that. That's just something we mentioned pre-pod. It was in all the papers that Ruben Diaz has um, has got an absolutely beautiful girlfriend uh, uh, who he has let go because um, co- contrasting uh, career um, prospects and um, and and things like this. So you know that I, that that impressed a lot of City fans because the the girl is so beautiful um, <laughs> that um, you know the laser like fo- focus of. Uh, of Ruben Diaz, that um, he's not going to let anything get in his his way. I don't know if that's quite the narrative, the true narrative. But anyway, um, actually, w- with regard to Bernardo Silva, I, I read something a little bit different. Everyone assumed that Bernardo wants out because he doesn't like Manchester weather, wants to go somewhere hotter, and it, maybe it's his girlfriend or his family that, um, that are behind that. But I actually read somewhere else that um, it could be because or the, the this newspaper suggested that he wasn't getting enough playing time, Ray. That was the real reason for it. What do you think? The thing is, Bernard, look, that first season that Bernardo came to City, um, I mean, it's probably a, a very little known fact that he played the most games that season. Um, yeah. Okay, some of them were like, come on, in injury time as a sub, but he did, had the most appearances uh, for City that season. Uh, and then he went through that, wonderful, um, formidable season when he was just awesome. Um, then he went off and uh, won the Nations League with Portugal, player of the finals. And I just think possibly, you know, he played a lot of hard football for over the last uh, three or four seasons, you know, and, and not had a lot of rest. Um, and he played at a really high level. And he just drops off the following season. Maybe he was just too tired uh, or mentally fatigued, physically a, a little bit below par. Uh, but I saw last season we saw we saw him coming back and I, I think he's almost back to his best. Uh, so you know, as I said before, I hope I really do hope he stays. I hope he gets the appearances. And as I said, I said this last season when K- KDB doesn't play and you've got Gundogan and Bernardo Silva together, they actually play really really well. And I, I, I and I've said it many times. I think that's they are probably our best side. If I was picking an, an eleven, uh, they would be my two attacking midfielders. Colin Lester had a, gr- a very sharp chance. Uh, Ian Acho broke through, passed the ball to uh, Lukman, and then you 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 saw the best of um, of uh, uh, Ederson uh, with that um, that that stop. Was that the one where he was that was it this one or the earlier one where he got kicked in the mouth by uh, Kyle Walker? The earlier one that was. The that was the first half. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably still spitting the blood out, actually. But um, did you did you see that one, Colin? What did you think of it? Well, I thought uh, actually uh, our defending was uh, on a couple of occasions a little bit too hesitant. Carl Walker, um, was it, he actually had the ball. He went past Carl Walker rather too easily. Then there was another poor tackle. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Rodri. Um, and I thought both players could have done a bit better. 
But it left uh, Lugman one on one, but Edison was equal to the task. And he, he is so good in, you know, when he's got, when he's focused like that, it must be hard for him to be focused because, you know, watching the actual down the other end. Um, but yeah, he did really well. But I thought defensively, um, we, we should have, um, we should have stopped that situation a couple of times. Could have stopped that situation a couple of times with a bit more committed um, tackling. Yeah, a couple of uh, good chances for City towards the end of the game. There was one, um, uh, Bernard, for Fernandinho. Uh, at first, I didn't think it was Fernandinho, but then I realised it was. Um, doesn't score that many, and certainly when he does score, it tends to be like a pile driver from 25 or 30 yards out. But um, <clears throat> I didn't really fancy his chances, and um, uh, he, he just uh, screwed that wide of the post. I think there was that that chance, uh, Bernard, and another one for Grealish right at the end. Yeah, it was through one to. I think uh, I think he, this is why I said I, I've, I've no faith in him as a an actual goal scoring machine by any means, and uh, I think that was a bit Sterling esque. I think he's been watching Raheem in training or something like that because he he went through on his own and rather than try and pass it, he did try and. At least to hit the target because obviously it hits Michael, but uh, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it just reminded me a little bit of Raheem, and we could do, we could do without that one on ones. We want someone to to sort of actually put the ball in the net for a change, and it's not sort of happening for City at the moment when we when we get these breakaways. So uh, that was a bit sad to see, but uh, hey, there you go. I said uh, try try not to watch Raheem too much, uh, Jack, and you might be all right. But he should have squared that too. It was a bit like. Yeah. Almost like if he thought he was Harry Kane, um, mm. he should have squared to uh, Sterling, shouldn't he? Yeah, yeah somewhere in the middle, aren't they? He should, he should have just, he said he just was a bit bit, uh, bit stuck to what to do. I think he got a bit giddy, didn't he? I think he thought, you know. <laughs> but uh, obviously, it was, was it 92nd minute or something like 91st, 92nd minute? I mean, would have, would have settled my heart for, a, for the last minute or two anyway, that's for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, Ray, uh, candidates for man of the match? Um, I'll go for Bernardo Silva. Uh, I just watched him. I thought he had a, a really decent game. Uh, as usual, worked hard. You know, he 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 put that early cross in um, after getting past a couple of men for for Gabriel Jesus's header. He scored the goal. He was in the right place at the right time. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll plump for um, Bernardo Silva. Any argument there, Colin? No, no whatsoever. Okay, an outstanding game. And Bernard. Yeah, when I did my ratings, I think uh, Bernardo Silva and Edison got the same score, and I just, I just gave it Bernardo. Yeah, it was, it was a toss-up really, and Bernardo, you know, deserves it. Uh, Edison played very, very well as well. Guys, if I had, to, was there any other um, notable performances apart from those two? I, I think uh, the only one who I thought was a little bit quiet was uh, Torres, but all the other starting team, I thought, put in an excellent performance. Oh, okay. Yeah, Torres just couldn't get into it, could he at all? He was sort of passing him by a little bit again. Mm-hmm. Well, chaps, let's move on to the next game at Leipzig, back in the Champions League again. Leipzig aren't doing very well at the moment. I think they've lost three out of four. They got beaten 4-1 by Bayern Munich. They lost uh, 1-0 against Mainz and 1-0 again against Augsburg, I think it was. If I'm not mistaken, they're there. Uh, but do you think that that league form uh, column does it ever transfer into uh, Champions League? Because it's been that way before, where we've been playing a team that be doing awfully in their own league, and then they turn it on against us. Uh, yeah. 
think. Leon, when we played them? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, I mean, you don't really take league form into account the Champions League game um, because it's a, you know, with the greatest respect to RB Leipzig, you play playing Manchester City Champions League finalists, uh, you know, it, it, it's, um, they're going to rate, they're going to raise the game, aren't they? We've seen you know, in the League Cup or FA Cup, lower league teams uh, who have had a, a pretty poor um, league run just play like the Barcelona when they come to you know, the Etihad or we go there. So, no, I don't think you can um, read anything into league form when it comes to a cup game. Never. Ray, Leipzig are a team, they're not the team of uh, two years ago, are they? They've ha- they've lost a lot of important players. They lost Dupin Meccano. Uh, they lost Timo Werner. Who else? Uh, there, there's got to be two or three others that I'm forgetting. Um, that they, uh, you know, they seem to have been asset stripped basically in the last <laughs> couple of years. Well, they've got Angelino. They've got Angelino. They still have uh, him. Yeah, ex City player who's uh, I think uh, you know seen some comments again in the papers uh, about from Angelino. I think it was Simon Bajowski uh, said. Uh, Angelino started against City. I think Angelino talks about Pep killing his confidence. But the thing is, Angelino wasn't great when he started at City. You know, he was. I remember that game pre-season over in the Far East tour. He was appalling. He he was horrible. Um, You know, he was up against a second-string West Ham right winger, right midfield right winger, who um, left him on his backside twice. He gave away one penalty. He, He should have given away another one, but the referee. Must have been feeling generous to him uh, and not giving him another penalty against him. And he was awful. And he just looked not suited for City. And I just think Pep had made up his mind about him quite early. Uh, He he had other players um, like Concello. Mendy, I think, was at that time fit. Uh, Zinchenko as well. And so he just moved on. And Angelina just got uh, left behind. It's it's just one of the things. It's football, you know. Um, If you've got three or four place for one position, well, someone's going to miss out. And it just happened to be uh, Angelino at the time. Um, so, yeah, they might not be doing well in the league, but you can take na- nothing for granted when you're playing in, in the Champions League because, you you know, uh, you don't know what anybody's going to do. You can be like Man United tonight and come up a cropper against the, the young boys. Or you can be like Barcelona getting beat 3-0 at home by Bayern Munich. You know, you, you just don't know what's going to happen. I just think um, uh, you, fo- you, we just have to focus on on what we do well uh, and, and make sure we do it again um, on Wednesday night. Well, here's a pop quiz question for all of you. Let's see who's uh, fastest to answer this. Uh, I didn't, I couldn't remember it myself. I saw it on Twitter, and apparently it was either today or yesterday, ten years ago, that City uh, embarked on their uh, Champions League campaign. Uh, uh, and which here here's the question it's a multi-part question <laughs> who, who was the opposition what was the score and who scored for City oh we know I know all, I know all three I know all three but it okay. was let's ask the other guys then let's ask Napoli were our opponents if I remember rightly which one Napoli were our opponents okay score one all okay score for City oh is it David? No, not David Silva. Well, uh, we we can sort of help you out by saying that he 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 sang Christmas songs very nicely. Free kick. It was a free kick. Oli uh, Kolarov. It was uh, Kolarov. 
Actually, he equalised. It was uh, it was one one. Uh, he brought yeah. us back into the game. Um, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you remember rightly, we had the old Leicester clappers for that one as well. I've still got mine upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, you let's remember the you know the excitement at seeing our first Champions League game and hearing the actually hearing the I hesitate to call tune. it an anthem, the tune, anthem. tune live, and it was so exciting, wasn't it? Until it's much better than we booed. <laughs> did we get did we get in trouble because obviously a lot of guys turned them into paper darts and it was that one we got into trouble for throwing them on the pitch I think that was the very first game so that sort of set it out for while we us and UEFA were going to get on over the years didn't it really okay. well you're up next uh, Bernard uh, what changes do you think that Pep will make for the game against Leipzig I don't think I'll make that many changes I mean I, I, I'm interested to know I've heard today that um, Laporte and Stones are struggling to make it for tomorrow. Uh, there could be a little bit of an injury there, which means we're left with Diaz and Aki as our centre-halves tomorrow. But uh, uh, that was one report. And about an hour later, someone said it doesn't look that bad. So say so that's just just the mentioning. But uh, it depends how KDB... Bernard, that's, I think that was the thing, that Laporte and Stones had missed training. Ah, mm-hmm. right, yeah. So obviously... Uh, Maybe something and nothing or whatever, but uh, yeah, that was that'd be interesting. But it's, it's interesting to know how far KDB and Phil are along the line. That's what I was going to ask any chance that they'll get half an hour. Um, what do you reckon, yeah. Paul? Yeah, I, I, I would expect maybe Foden to start, KDB to come on. Yeah, I think it'd be the way around, personally, because um, the thing is, Foden only played, uh, did his first training session last Friday. Uh, that was his first training session, I think, on Friday. Whereas KDB had trained all last week. So he trained a little bit on his own. He trained with the uh, under-18s, I think, and, and, and the four or five players that hadn't gone away on international duty. So KDB had got the full week's training, whereas Foden had, had had one day. So I think if anybody's going to start, more likely it's KDB. I mean, you know, Pep yeah. will go and um, shoot me down and pick uh, Foden instead. But Foden's been out for a long time. Um, so I think uh, he's going to be given a little bit more time, and maybe he'll come off the bench. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's 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 amazing to think, you know, after this uh, hard fought fought to win against Leicester, two five nil thrashings. Although you know the quality of the opposition um, is uh, somewhat in doubt, but you've still got uh, Kevin De Bruyne and uh, and uh, Phil Foden to come back. Uh, Mares hasn't really had much of a, a look in either, and Sterling came off the bench. So I, I think City win the prize for squad depth um, among the uh, other ones. Just uh, before we uh, go on to other matters, uh, let me ask you um, uh, guys. We'll start with um, with with Ray. Uh, are you impressed by any of our uh, rivals? They're talking about um, a top four who are going to split away from. The bunch being Chelsea, Liverpool, United, and City. Any of them um, uh, yeah. sort of um, causing a furrow in your in your brow, Ray? Uh, let's start with with Chelsea. You got to look at Chelsea and say since uh, Thomas Tuchel came uh, last season, they've had the most clean sheets out of anybody. Um, you know they're a very hard side to to, to score a goal, uh, score a goal against, let alone beat. Uh, now they've got Romelu Lukaku. He scored again, I think, tonight in the Champions League. You know, he's he's had a cracking start uh, to his second spell at uh, Chelsea, uh, and he's sticking the ball in and uh, in the back of the net. And you know, you, you could argue last season they created the chances, but Werner wasn't sticking him away. 
Lukaku's turned up, they're still creating chances and he's popping them away. So, you know, um, when people said to me, would you rather have Lukaku or Kane? And I, I was always going for Kane. Well, Lukaku looks a totally different proposition than what he did a few years ago, uh, finished off at Man United. He cut a pretty abject figure at the end. So, yeah, I think Chelsea will have to be up there. I mean, they've, they've recruited again, strengthened again. I think they'll be up there. United, look, I don't think you can discount them. I don't think they'll win the league, but I think they'll be up there. You know, they've once again, they've recruited reasonably well. Varane, um, Ronaldo and uh, Sancho. They were, was it second last season? So you'd think they'd be knocking on the door again. And uh, Liverpool, I mean, you know, no one could put Liverpool down, um, if you believe their fans. Now they've got their, uh, their defenders back, um, you know, and, and they're playing the midfielders in midfield rather than defence. I think they'll be a dif- different proposition again. Um, so I think those four teams, we've seen Spurs, they flattered to deceive, um, you know, top of the table after three games, uh, all one nilers. And then they come up against the mighty um, Crystal Palace and got uh, an absolute drubbing. So I think we've seen their level. Their level is not going to be there. And I think you can end up with teams like Leicester, Everton, who started well, uh, West Ham mm-hmm. um, and and Spurs. I think they'll be taking up the next four or five places. Yeah, I think the the, the, the things that um, I've heard are there, there's there are a couple of Achilles heels with United and Liverpool. Manchester United fans, uh, they've got this um, this uh, saying um, to describe their midfield, which is McFred. And McFred refers to McTominay and Fred, and um, uh, they, they they just um, they're convinced that this is the thing that's going to that 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 you know could put a a spoke in the in the in in the wheel as it were and and stop them from um, progressing. Same problem with Liverpool as well. Um, obviously, Naby Keita has done nothing. They haven't really replaced uh, Wijnaldum and. And the youngster that they thought would come in, Harvey Elliott's just, you know, got injured. He's going to be out for ages and ages. Chelsea look like a machine, though, uh, Bernard, don't they? I think um, they would be the team that you would fear most. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously, I think United seem to always do better than the sum of the parts. That's the problem with United. They'll, all, they'll always win the games where you expect them to draw. They'll always do that. But, uh, yeah, I was just looking. Obviously, City are still firm favourites. So, it, of course, uh, the league, according to the bookies, uh, we're 11 to 10. I think Chelsea are 5-4 to four just behind us. Uh, but Liverpool and United, well... Five to one, six to one. I mean, uh, they don't really fancy. They've sort of, sort of uh, wiped those out already. But uh, it's going to be interesting. But uh, I think Pep has to make sure we beat che- we at least beat Chelsea this season. I don't. I can't take two defeats against them. So we'll have to have some sort of uh, change to his philosophy. But uh, yeah, the trouble is with Chelsea is they're very, very organised and they've won league titles before just being organised, haven't they? They've never been overly fantastic, but they've improved the starting level as well. I think City have improved the squad by adding Grealish. I think it's helped us out but I think uh, Chelsea putting Lukaku up there as uh, Ray was saying before, that's improved the starting eleven. so I mean uh, that's the difference I think between, perhaps between Chelsea and say City they, and United to some extent have done the same as well. They've improved their starting eleven or their best eleven. so um, yeah I would still fancy City but uh, yeah the trouble is Chelsea might just grind and grind and grind and uh, 
and do it then sort of uh, just, I mean, I don't think they'll pull away, but I think they'll just get result after result. And uh, I think uh, it will be a tough task, uh, certainly for City, to do back-to-backs again. Colin Savage, just running your eye over those Champions League results tonight, there's some very interesting uh, ones there. So obviously Chelsea win 1-0. Uh, the one that caught my eye was uh, probably the, the game that people described as the pick of the bunch. And uh, Bayern Munich uh, beat Barcelona 3-0. Does that surprise you at all? Uh, not in the slightest, no. Yeah. As we know, Barcelona are on the... Uh, they're messiless. Uh, and he was such a big part of what they did, you know. Um, you know he, he was just their talisman, wasn't he? And, and you can't lose a talent like that. And, and and not suffer, but we you know we know they were on a little bit on the downward slope. You know Suarez has gone, Messi has gone, Neymar's gone. Who who's replaced them? And now they've got a front line of uh, Memphis Depay and Luke De Jong. Uh, it's quite a big difference between those two and what went before. Yeah, yeah. I say well, Messi covers up a whole host of problems, doesn't it? Um, but he's not there now, as we said, and uh, Bayern Munich. Um, you know, we know what we know their quality, of course. Uh, so it didn't surprise me one little bit, but that um, I'm surprised it was only three nil to be honest, because I thought Brian Munich might hand out a bit for pasting. Well, I mean, three nil is not really a close game, though, is it? Um, so no, not surprised at all by that result. I think um, the year of Barcelona is well and truly over, as we uh hinted at earlier. Uh, Manchester United with Ronaldo humbled uh, 2-1 uh, by young boys. Uh, does your heart good, doesn't it, Ray? But um, let, let me ask you this question, Ray, about our Champions League group. Uh, does it please you, um, first of all, that we don't have Shakhtar Donetsk in it anymore? And, uh, but more specifically, you've got a team like uh, Paris Saint-Germain in there where, you're, you're, you know, instead of just, you know, the normal procession through the groups, uh, the group games, we've actually got a stiff test there. Does that does does that um, help? Do you think? Oh, it's great. I think it's it, I think it's important to have at least one set of tough games. Uh, you can't have you know. I mean, it, it swings and roundabouts. Uh, on one hand, it's great to qualify after four games, and then you can you know if Pep wants to you know rest a couple of players for the for the let's say the dead rubbers. But on the other hand, it's still good to have some tough, stern competition in in the com- uh, in your opponents. I think it's a really tough group: Leipzig, PSG, and City. We can't write anybody off. And Bruges, you know, they might be, uh, you know, the the minnows of the group. But I don't think you can write anybody off. Uh, you've got the best teams in Europe. I think they'll still give a reasonable account of themselves. But you know, RB Leipzig, you know, you don't qualify for the Champions League in in, in one of the top leagues like Germany if you're not good enough and if you can't do some damage. So we can't take them lightly. I don't think we can take anybody lightly. OK, let's move, move on to a few um, extraneous matters. Uh, uh, Bernard, um, I think I got something, I got some misinformation from listening to the 9320 pod uh, earlier where they were saying that uh, they were not happy about the fact that the Leipzig, uh, uh, the, the crowd for the Leipzig game would uh, would not be um, as, as big as it could be because of City forbidding um, fans from transferring their uh, their tickets to someone else and and uh, and then you guys all told me pre pod that, that 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 that's not true 
Um, is that something that's changed recently that they would say that and uh, they, you know, that's one of their main talking points on that podcast. Um, so is that, is that a very recent development that this has been rescinded or what's going on? Do you, do you want me to? Yeah, OK. I've been involved, obviously I've been involved through City Matters. Uh, obviously this this came up um, last week, I think beginning of last week. Uh, I was away, came back to, to see what, what was happening. And, and and City for once um, had what we thought City Matters was a reasonable rationale for, for doing that. And the rationale was if you join the cup scheme, you get priority for Champions League final, League Cup final, FA Cup final, semi-final tickets. Therefore, why would you allow someone to join a cup scheme and transfer tickets for the less um, interesting matches and then have priority for... The bigger matches and it's a bit of an echo of the arguments about points you know uh people selling the tickets on when you've got points for away games selling the tickets on for the less you know the southampton's on a monday night uh but making sure they got tickets for liverpool and united you know it's the old argument um I'm not going to go over that but the, so that was the club's rationale but if you you shouldn't be allowed to transfer the tickets because it the cup scheme gave you priority for the finals. So they didn't want people transferring the tickets and then only attending when it suited them. Now, now, now I, I I don't think that's particularly a uh, heinous thing to say, to be honest, but you've got to balance that out with the club are also looking to fill seats. Now, I don't think the tickets for Leipzig have sold particularly well. Um, the club have made it very difficult with, a, you know, with the mobile ticketing. I only got my ticket earlier today my ticket my print at home ticket i only got the email saying you could print it at home earlier today people were struggling to download their electronic tickets yeah it's still a bit of a mess in that area frankly the club put out uh, uh, an email today to fans to apologize for the problems that they're having and and the, that they're looking to put them right but that, that, that won't be done overnight so um but the club have always said to us at city matters we want to ensure we get bums on seats, uh, and and that involves being able to transfer tickets. And what one of the advantages of the mobile ticketing solution is, you can transfer it in theory at the touch of a button. You can transfer your ticket to someone on your friends and family list. So, um, and tomorrow night is particularly difficult one, um, because it's um, Yom Kippur, the, the Jewish festival. So the vast majority of Jewish fans, apart from one or two heathens, um, uh, names I won't mention, uh, w won't be there. So people are looking to transfer the tickets. And there's a genuine reason for that. And and it's a very difficult one because you can't, at the same time, you can't say people can't transfer the tickets and say, actually, we want as many people as possible to attend the game. That just, that just doesn't work. And the club have got themselves into a bit of a mess over this. I understand, as I say, I understand the rationale. It, it's it's not um, it's not completely outrageous, but um, they're going to have to think again about perhaps how they marry up the two objectives of making sure people on the cup scheme use the tickets for the earlier rounds. And of course, in, in Champions League, you know you're going to get three at least three home games. Almost certainly, you're going to get a fourth and a fifth uh, with the standard of the team we've got these days. With with the, the League Cup and the FA Cup, you might never get draw at home before before the semi final or, or the final. So it's two completely different questions, really. So I, I think uh, City Matters. We've been we've been talking to the club as, as a group, and uh, 
some of the individual members, the chairman, Simon, uh, and Mark Todd, one of our other, have been talking quite hard to the club. And the club today, or yesterday, um, decided to change their mind. Uh, that you could uh, and allow tickets to be transferred for tomorrow night's game and for subsequent cup games. And I think that's a sensible solution. Uh, and, and, and what it does is it gives us a season to work out how we actually, if if we're going to change the cup scheme, uh, not change the cup scheme, people like the cup schemes, but h- how we're going to manage it so that if the club wants to give priority to people who do use their tickets to attend games, they can do that while still allowing people to transfer tickets. And the, the, the thing is, the irony is, of course, with the new system, mobile system, they will know who's transferred their tickets. They will know who used the ticket because, you know, very few people will give the phone to someone else. So, you know, it, it's a very easy way of tracking people, tracking who's actually come to the game and who's transferred the ticket. So, you know, it just needs a little bit of intelligent thinking and common sense. But, mm, you know, that's not always been um, not been the case in the past with City, but yeah, but they've done the right thing. You know, it, it may not be a perfect solution, but it's given us a season to sort something out. Yeah, I'm going to say, I was going to try just butt in and say, I know the club have been struggling to sell tickets for every single home game this season because because I've uh, I've got a season card. I've been unable to go uh, lately. I've not probably not going to be going to many games until November. The way things are going, I've just got too much work on. Then I'm out of the country working again. And I've put my ticket on the ticket exchange every time for the home games, and I've not sold. It's not sold. Um, and what City do, it is a bit of a cock up. The ticket exchange isn't open until a few days before the game at the weekend because City can't City aren't selling the tickets anyway. I mean, for the game this weekend, uh, it's not open. Um, for the Arsenal game, it wasn't open until a few days before. Same with the Norwich game, and and, and the tickets didn't sell. So I think. You know, fans who in a couple of seasons ago, before COVID, if you put your ticket on uh, the exchange and you put it on early, there's a good chance it would be uh, it'd be sold. Now there's no chance. I've not, as I said, I've not sold anything. So you can see the uh, the spaces in the crowd, and I think you know for all the, you know many different reasons we've been through and uh, discussed them before. Um, the City are going to struggle to fill the ground uh, at all this season. What are your thoughts on that, Bernard? chickens going down to roost because one of the things I've been keen to do at City Matters, I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet, is the club don't seem to understand that there's not a an infinite number of people who, 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 who like it has been at the peak of United and Liverpool's success. There's not, there's not a, you know, an endless procession of people looking to pick up spare tickets. There, there, is, a, there is still a, a finite, discrete group of regular Tenders at City of France. What they should be doing is attracting new people, uh, attracting them by attractive pricing. Because uh, that Arsenal game would cost you, if you, if you were two adults, two kids, a family, would cost you two hundred quid for tickets alone. And when you're throwing food and, and parking, and, and the kids will want to live on the shop, you, you're probably talking the best part of three hundred quid, maybe more, to to attend um, a game. City should be looking now to capitalise on their success on the pitch and get people in. You know, it's like the, uh, I'm just about to renew my car insurance. Uh, I, I, I Almost certainly I'll change from the company I'm with because I'll get a new business offer. Uh, a company will be offering, putting money into attracting new business. 
rather than uh, I, I know it's going to be outlawed shortly, but I will pay less than someone renewing exactly the if my if my neighbour had exactly the same car uh, and they renewed with the same company, they they'd probably get a, a higher price than me shopping around and coming in as a, uh, a new entrant, basically. So City have got to do some serious thinking rather than just stick prices up, you know, a couple of a percent uh, and say, oh, it's not very much, you know, it's only, you know, 50p a week or whatever, uh, 50p a month or whatever. They've got to do some serious thinking about how they attract the new breed of match-going fans because there is not a, yet uh, an infinite supply of tourists who will take up the slack. Uh, uh, I say we've got a unique opportunity where we are as a club now. Kids are kids are supporting City. Uh, you know, I got my old man to take me to City, uh, and I bet there's lots of kids in that situation now who were watching City on TV and, and said, "Dad, can we go and watch City?" I, I think a lot went to the um, the, fo- the soccer aid game, and you think, you know, you, you get the feeling of being in a crowd and. and, and and I think it's psychological. You get a big crowd, a big excited crowd. You want to go back. You want to be, if you're watching on the TV, you think, I want to be as part of that. If you're watching on the TV and seeing huge gaps in the crowd, you know, you're thinking, what's the incentive? If they're not, you know, if, if they can't fill the ground, why should I go? Um, you know, you're not jumping out your chair thinking, I've got to get tickets for the next game. It's, it's when you see a big crowd, it's, you know, making some noise and, 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 stuff like that you know you get a feel for the atmosphere you want to be there and i say city have got to do some strategic thinking about how they attract uh, the next generation because you know um, we've got an old demographic we've had a very loyal fan base a lot of the things they've done um this season about electronic ticketing and everything they've made a mess of has has hacked people a lot of people off lots of people have uh, well People have cancelled the tickets. People have deferred the tickets. You've got to make sure those people come back. If they don't come back, you've got to make sure you can replace them. Uh, and you can't be complacent. So, um, you know, and as well, we've got the older demographic. A lot of people coming to me via City Matters say, you know, my dad is 75, my dad's 80. What's he supposed to do? And it, it, it's it's um, it, it's very short-term thinking in many ways. So, you uh, um, you know, I, I keep saying you, we, we, we've got to think strategically. I've been saying this at City Matters for a while. How are you going to get the next generation of fans coming every week? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, this, um, I'll just chip in. Um, yeah. yeah, this 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 is the tip of the iceberg, to be honest. You know, I go, I do regularly look at the City sub- supporters helpline and all this sort of poor Emily there on the... Uh, Twitter trying to answer all the problems, etc. And it is just as if this transfer thing was just another thing added to all the things that have been going wrong over the last few months since since we've gone back into the games after COVID. You know, from not having the not having the season card anymore to having the electronics. Uh, people start start with a few dozen, perhaps not going, and then it went to perhaps a couple of hundred. And now I get the sense that there's literally hundreds and possibly thousands of City fans who've been going for years who aren't even bothering now because they just don't want the asshole of what they have to do to do it. And they just, City seems to be making it as difficult as they can for, for the fans to get in the ground at a time, as Colin was saying, well, well we need bums on seats. I mean, we've got some, Southampton, I mean, tomorrow's going to be, I dread to think how many empty seats is going to be tomorrow. 
Uh, Southampton isn't going to be full. Uh, obviously, we've got Wickham Wanderers next week. Flipping heck out, how many's got? I mean, you know, we're not going back to the old eleven thousand that we had at Main Road. But flipping heck, it's going to look a bit sparse next week. And I don't think Wickham are going to bring thousands to fill it up. So, you know, it seems that City just seems to be making it as difficult as possible for all for fans to get there, whether young or old, or the guys who've been going for years. And the amount of times I've seen it on social media, I'm, I'm not going again. I can't be. I can't be bothered with all this messing about, all this trouble. I mean, why can't you have a season? Can I just have this prince at home? What's all I know? And people are just had enough. Yeah, and I think I think they're voting with defeat, and they'd be very lucky to get a full house. I think at the Etihad this this year, the way it's going, and since City have to, you know, they've they've had time to sort this out before the season started, and it's just ridiculous. This transfer thing, I think I heard about it at lunchtime today that you can actually transfer, but how many people are just going to give up and not bother doing it anyway? Because what what's the point? You know, it's too late now. I can't I can't be bothered, and that that's the attitude you get. Because let's face it, City fans are a little bit reactionary at the best of times. You know, we're not you know we don't take things like Lying down and we'll, we'll oh, I'm not doing this. I'm not, you know, that's that's what we are. That's that's just uh, comes with the territory of being a city fan. And I don't. I think City themselves have, have sort of really shot ourselves in the foot, and it's it's a little bit embarrassing at times for me to to look. It'll be a little bit embarrassing for me. I mean, I'll be there tomorrow, but you know. I'll be looking round at those, might be an empty tier here, an empty tier there. And it, it's just a little bit depressing, really. And it's not particularly the fans' fault. Yes, I'd love more fans to be there. But uh, they're having to jump through hoops, not just because of COVID, you know, just to get into a game. And and, and it's uh, it has put, as I said, I thought it might be dozens of people, hundreds of people. But you might be talking literally thousands of people who just, just have lost the heart to go at the moment. And it's just people who won't buy a ticket. It's people who've got a ticket and, you know, struggling to access it. And, you know, I, I work in large-scale digital transformations. And, you know, the, the whole purpose of doing a digital transformation is, is not to make things more difficult for customers, but to make it easier. You know, you try and put as much as you can online and city, even the simple stuff isn't working. So anything out of the ordinary People are trying to ring up, and and they're not getting the service. And and you know the the season card. I think we talked about it. The season card deferral was an obvious one. Why not put a button on the as part of the renewal process, which they did eventually, to say I want to defer my season ticket. Um, and and then, but all the thousands of people who wanted to defer had to ring up, uh, and again they couldn't get through, and the supporter services were overwhelmed, and it's. You know, as I said before, I work in a project, a major complex project environment. I have done for many years. And you think about the impacts. Uh, and there's a there's a, a technique called POPIT, P-O-P-I-T, and it's impact analysis. And you think about what's the impact on the processes? What's the impact on the organisation? What's the impact on people? What's the impact on technology? And City haven't thought about any of those whatsoever mm -hmm. well gentlemen help is uh, on the way in the form of another group which has been born on the 10th of september they call themselves manchester city independent supporters trust uh, they already have five i'm looking at their uh, twitter website now 567 followers and here's what they say um uh this has been a long time coming City are the only club in the Premier League top six who don't have an independent supporters trust. 
There have been numerous ongoings in recent times where it has seemed that the fans haven't been consulted with. This needs to change. Um, I was just wondering, uh, guys, uh, what you think of this. Uh, they, they, they're, they've got high hopes of um, getting off the, the ground. It says it, it will take it a, a while to get off the, tr- uh, the, off the ground, but I'm certain it will take a long time for us to get a line into the club. But with a bit of persistence, we'll get there. So this organization has been born. Obviously, there's also the 1894 group, although I'm not exactly sure what line into the club they have. Um, Ray, do you know much about the 1894? Um, I've, I've spoken to a couple of people there. Um, um, I don't really know too too much about them, but they, they, do, they do organize stuff like flags and they do liaise with the club. Um, I don't know. Uh, honestly, not sure about the benefit. We've got lots of different things. You've got the official supporters club. You've got this now this independent supporters trust. You've got the ninety three twenty group. Uh, no, no, the eighteen ninety four group. Sorry, uh, city matters. I mean, how many more do we need? I think we've actually got an LGBTQ uh, group uh, supporting um, a group of supporters as well. And now here's this new one on the scene. It's the, one of the official supporters club branches, the Canal Street branch. Yeah, yeah that's I, right. You know, again, I've, I've been there. I, I, I uh, along with a number of others, tried to set up a, an independent supporters trust back in 2005. Um, uh, you know, when we were in a much, <laughs> much dire state than we were, than we are now, of course. Um, you know, it was the, the dying embers of the, the, the John Wardle, um, David Makin, uh, John Wardle chairmanship. Alistair McIntosh was the very self-serving chief executive. Um, you know, the club was was run on a shoestring. You know, we sold Sean Wright Phillips just to cover operational costs. Uh, and and we got some support for that. But, um, you know, there was a lot of cynicism. So, I mean, good luck to anyone. You know, eight, uh, I know the 1894 group guys. I, I, I did talk to them about potentially forming a supporters trust. Um, I can't remember what it was. It was he's back about twelve months ago. When oh, is that the Super League? Of course, yeah. Um, it wasn't twelve months ago, was it? It was earlier this year. Um, when, when there was a kind of a, a feeling among fans that the game was being taken away from us, uh, and it seemed a good opportunity. Eighteen ninety four. We're happy to talk about the atmosphere. They're happy, but but they're not particularly uh, an organised independent group. You, you have to go some, through some hoops to form an official supporters trust you have to set up as a basically charitable trust um uh, basically a, a mutual uh society it's one member one vote regardless of the, you know one member one chair one one vote um uh, but at the end of the day you know city matters it, I, yeah I, I we are the only club that doesn't have an independent supporters group you know liverpool got spirit of shankly um spurs have got a very active Supporters Trust. Arsenal, of course, have got about three Supporters Trust. Uh, at least two that I know of. Make think a third. Chelsea have one. Um, United have got uh, MUST, most very active Supporters Trust. I know I know all these guys. They do a fantastic job. Uh, and actually, I was asked by um, Joe Blot, who heads up Spirit of Shankly, why haven't City fans got a Supporters Trust? And, and it was struggled. Struggle to come up with answer, and the best answer I could come up with. Well, you know, when you compare where we are now to where we were 20 years ago, you know, who's bothered? You know, the fans, you know, Liverpool, you can see it. 
um, you know, they had Hicks and Gillette and and and, and they've got um, an ownership that they're a bit suspicious of. And um, United, obviously, it's, you know, it's very much anti-Glazer, although uh, must now work with the club uh, quite closely. Um, so, you know, you understand Arsenal, of course, you know, uh, they've got a, a beef against their owner. Uh, Chelsea work, Chelsea Sports Trust Forum work closely with the club. Um but it's about what the club will do. I mean, you know, we've got City we've had City now. We've just been going about three years and, and we're still kind of struggling to get the club to trust us a little, uh, which, which can be a bit disheartening. So, you know, an independent supporters group is not going to change that in, in any way, shape or form. I, I'm not saying we shouldn't have one. I do think we should. But um, it's not going to change the attitude. It's not going to change... The attitude of the club to um, ticket pricing, or how you know, as, as I said, how we track the next generation of fans, or or, or the mess they've made of ticketing and re, uh, and renewal and stuff like that. It it's good to have a voice. It's good to have somewhere where fans can, uh, you know, talk to independent of the club. Because uh, because uh, not to knock the official supporters club at all. Or Kevin Parker, I, I, I you know, um, Kevin's become a I like to think a good friend. Uh, and anyone who stands up and does what he does, what he's done for 20 years for the fans of the club, uh, has my respect and admiration straight away. But the the the, the, the rationale of the supporters club is not to get involved in um, politics, I, I guess, with the club. You know, it, 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 it's there to serve the members. They do travel, they do other stuff. I'm a member of my local branch. It's fantastic. We have regular meetings now. Uh, now we have restarted. Um you know, say they'll organise travel, they'll organise other stuff, they do a lot for charity. But the official supporters club is is never going to take on the club in a head-to-head. Uh, even in the Swales day, the official supporters club wouldn't do that. And that's their right. Um, you know, as a group, they don't want to get involved in that. Uh, and that's up to them. That's up to their members. Um, and it works for them. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to complain about that. But City Matters, we've been quite active. Um, you know, we built up a good relationship with the club. It, it, it's been a struggle to get them to listen to us. I think we're knocking. I think we're kind of knocking more of an open door now. The club understand the depth of feeling among the fans. They understand the the perils of not talking to to us. And it's not just as a as a group. We're, you know, we're fans. We look at it from a fan's point of view. But there's a lot of experience in the group. There's me. You know, implemented IT systems for 30 years. There's people like Kevin Parker. There's people, um, you know, who, who are used to, um, who are used to kind of delivering stuff. You know, and, and, and we, we, we put the fans' point of view. It's a case of, well, the, the, you know, the transfer of tickets is a great example. The club came up with this, didn't speak to us about it. They told us about it, didn't consult. And we would have said, well, you know, do you think it's a great idea? Do you think... Do you not think it conflicts with your um, objective of getting as many bums on seats as possible? And, you know, it's that sort of the, the club's very black and white, very um, um, inward looking thinking that we are there to try and change or, or give them a different objective. And the great thing about City Matters for me, and I think I've said this before, is you do get to see everything from 360 degrees. So, I, you know, as a fan, I can criticise something the club does, but then... You know, when you talk to them, you think, actually, there's a reason for that. Uh, and uh, the ticket transfer, you can understand the reason the club gave 
for not being able to transfer tickets when we had um, this big issue about Thomas Cook uh, filling Thomas Cook flights to European aways. Of course, that issue has gone away with Thomas Cook. Um, but again, it, it, it was a, an interesting one to hear all everything from the club, all the issues about con- commercial contracts and um, you know the cost to them of sending a flight which wasn't full because the club had to pay for all the seats. And it's only when you understand it from you know see it from, see the big picture, understand it from three hundred and sixty degrees, you, you do get a different view. So yeah, uh, you know I, I'd encourage anyone to form a supporters group. But it's hard. You've got to get people on board because there's no point in having 12 of you. Um, you, know, you need hundreds, you need thousands to make it work. And, and then the problems just multiply. You know, I think we, we we only just got going properly in 2006 and it ended up in acrimony and arguments. So it, because, you know, uh, it's uh, unless you've got something to focus on, it, it's very difficult. So good luck to them. Uh, don't, I don't have a problem, but. It doesn't change anything. Well, guys, unfortunately, time is uh, against us now. Uh, we did have a couple of uh, extraneous matters that we could have talked about, but uh, we don't want to keep the listeners here for two hours. We're, we're, one, and a half, we're one hour, 22 uh, minutes uh, in, and I think we should bring this to a head. Uh, just one final thing. Uh, sorry to finish on a negative note, but uh, uh, Ray, it's not been a very good uh, week for the women. Um, City women. Yeah, the women's team knocked out of the Champions League by Atletico Madrid uh, last Wednesday um, in, in the uh, qualifying stage for the group stages. And that's it. Champions League is over for City. Very disappointing performance. Yes, people can say we've got a few injuries and, uh, you know, we've not had a proper pre-season because of the Olympics. But look, you know, everybody's, they know, they know the situation before the season starts. And you just got to get on with it. Um, and City w- just weren't good enough. That's you know obviously we lost the uh, Champions League football, the European football. It's cost us probably. I reckon it'll cost us half a million quid. I think just getting in the group stages is worth four hundred thousand euros. So we're going to miss out on, on on the financial rewards for the women's team. We had the game against Spurs on Sunday night, and we got beat at home by two goals to one. That was disappointing. Dreadful. If, if you haven't seen this uh, Spurs winning goal, please go and watch it. There's no VAR, there's no technology in, in the women's game, and it was basically just punched in. And it was, it was basketball, just, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just a, a, a really, really poor. Two hands on the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But City, once again, City weren't good enough. City weren't good enough because Spurs, uh, let's be clear here, Spurs are a bang average team, they're a middle of the table team. Uh, and City are a top of the table team. We should not. We had this problem last season. We had a slow start last season, and we couldn't overhaul Chelsea. We couldn't get back into it because it's it's a twenty-two match season. You you don't have time to to you know, to have a blip. Um, so that's extremely disappointing. Out of the Champions League now, you know we all thought let's focus on the league because Chelsea had been beat by Arsenal the week before. Let's get you know the the league and let's go for that title. Uh, and and this is, you know, a lot of City fans are unhappy. Uh, I think this is a make or break season for Gareth Taylor. I, I really, really do see it. Uh, if if he doesn't win the league, then what's left for him? You know, you didn't get into the Champions League. You've not won the league. Um, people, you know, looking from the outside, criticises some of his uh, tactical decisions and 
and, and, and stuff. And for the for the players we've got, the amount of money we spend, you know, we went out and bought, uh, is it Vicky Lassard, I think her name is? She, she was a Champions League winner with Barca. So we got her in this season. We got Bunny Shaw, top scorer in the um, French division. We got her in. We nicked uh, Ruby Mace from Arsenal, 18-year-old, exciting prospect. So, you know, we've got some good players in. They've come to play at the highest level. <coughs> Excuse me. And we're not achieving it. So I think it's a, it's, it could, it, I don't want it to be. I don't want it to be. I want it to be a good season, but I think it's going to be a tough season for Gary Taylor. And I, I think, uh, you know, if you do, you know, it, it, it's a shame because it's, it's only his second season, but I think you've got, he's got to be winning the league. Otherwise, uh, I think he needs to be shown the door. Well, it's come to the point where we're going to have to bid farewell uh, to uh, the three guys here. Uh, uh, Ray, say say something positive um, <laughs> in your outro. Uh, positive. We are, uh, we get, we're going to beat Leipzig tomorrow night. We're going to beat Southampton. I think at the weekend. Uh, we'll you know we're going to next week in the top four. You know, one point behind the leaders. Yeah, it's it's something positive to look forward to. Okay, Colin Savage, thank you very much for coming on. What are your closing remarks? Uh, yeah, I mean, after the initial uh, week weekend's loss to Spurs, um, things are looking up, aren't we? I mean, um, you know, again, we're just outside that top four. We're playing well. I mean, at Leicester, Leicester's always a tight game, uh, but I, I thought we played as well as we played at, at any time. Um, and, you know, and all the talk of a striker we've had, or eight different scorers um, for our 11 goals. So, yeah, it, it, it's all looking good. And, and that's without, I say, uh, KDB, Phil Foden uh, and Sterling and Mahrez having bit parts. So all looking good. Well, Bernard, you've got your first bolt from the blue podcast under your belt. How do you feel? Have you got that warm, glowing, uh, you know, lovely feeling in, in, in our warm embrace? What tired, tired, you mean? Yeah, I think, I think that, that's the word we use at this time of night. So it's not like South Korea, you know, here in the, here in the UK. But uh, interestingly enough, Gareth Taylor, I thought this was going to be a springboard for him to take over from Pep, to be honest with you. So I'm a little bit disappointed that it's not going too well for him. But uh, I've loved it, guys. And just a little word about Leipzig. Tomorrow, I quite like Leipzig. I didn't get a chance to mention Leipzig before, but I, I think... Uh, I, think, I like I like their striker. I wish we'd have bought him. That um, is it uh, the lad Silver? Is it Silver? Yeah. Is he called Silver? Andre Silver up front. I quite like him. I think he'll be at Leipzig for a couple of seasons. Then obviously he'll go over to Bayern Munich like they all do. But uh, yeah, I quite like him. So I think we'll have to be wary tomorrow. But uh, I am looking forward to it. And as I say, there's no reason why we can't be positive. I, I doubt very much we'll see KDB and Foden start. But hey. You know, we've done very well so far, and I am I am actually looking forward to a Champions League game, which is is not I can't always say that to be honest with you, but I am looking forward to tomorrow's game, and let's hope as many get there and we get as many bums on seats as we can. But uh, I can't I can't wait for the stick we're going to get for all these empty seats tomorrow. Well, guys, just listen to that, would you? I mean, talk, complaining about the time of uh, of night that they're having to do that. And me starting this pod at 5 a.m. And what do I get for my trouble? Being told I look like Mark Goldbridge. <laughs> I see. We're going to call you Mike Goldbridge from now on. Mike Goldbridge. From now on. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to go and you know and and take a put my head under the cold shower for that for that one. But um, 
this this will be continued, guys. I'll, I'll get, <laughs> I'll, I'll wreak my revenge on all of you. Seriously, great. Seriously, been fantastic, guys. Thank you very much for having me. Well, and, uh, it's it's been great. I enjoyed it. Uh, thank you very much, guys. And we hope uh, that all you out there will uh, enjoy it too. But we'll stop here for now and finish off in the normal way by saying, have one on us and up the blues. <laughs>